The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner at Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me alongside, as always, is Michelle Yu. Welcome, Michelle Yu. Oh, thank you very much, Billy. Um, good weekend at Santa Anita for you? Oh, yeah, good. I almost lost my voice screaming for my boy Mecklenburg. That was a disaster race. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I'm going to be honest. I got into it after the race with uh, Edwin Maldonado and uh, Doug oh, O'Neill's assistant. To, you didn't want him to run as fast as he did? Well, I, I just didn't understand it. We used to own Rip City, and you, you never you, I've, he's never been sent like that before. The first quarter right. was running 22-2. and two. It's like your best chance – you have to, in my opinion, and I could be very wrong, uh, you can um, – you know, his best races were when he sat second or third and pounced on the leader, and you have to know who's in against you. And Mecklenburg is a pretty much a runoff. Right. And he was faster than Rip City. And I just didn't understand the strategy. Now, I know, you know, I got into it then with Maldonado. To be honest with you, he was texting me last night. We spoke on the phone because I was, I was pretty upset. It just their horse finished, you know, got beaten 11 lengths. Yeah. And I thought it was just, I thought it was a poor strategy. And um, I cannot control what other people do, but I just thought that was, to be honest with you, dumb. Yeah. And it was really frustrating because our horse ran a huge race. I mean, our horse finishes fourth, gets beat fourth, two and three-quarter mm-hmm. lengths after going 22 and two, 45 and something, one maybe, 109 and four. And it's just like it didn't have to be that way. They took all chances away from their own horse by doing that. I agree. So, you know, I don't know. And it that didn't seem like it, they cared. Like that's what kind of bummed me out more. Right. You know, I talked to Tom Knutes today because I was kind of upset about it. Oh, what did he have to say? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was. It's frustrating. It it really is because also I felt like the betters got cheated, and I felt like you know it was a big pick six race, and like I just didn't think it was a fair, ra- fairly run race because of a certain strategy that was employed. And the mm-hmm. fact is, what I was told on several occasions by, listen, I don't, I don't care, by Maldonado and by Tom that the the instructions were make the lead at all costs. Right. And if you look I've at been on the, I've been on the losing side of that too, where it's like, why are you out there with a 90 to one shot? Like, why are you pressing me when your horse usually comes from behind? I can't stand it. It's just, listen, you got to, in my opinion, again, you give your chance, the best chance you're, you got to give your horse the best chance to win. And I just didn't think that was their best chance to win, but I, maybe I'm wrong. You know, hold on. What? I, it's just terrible. I'm Just, sorry. I, I still anyway, love Mecklenburg. I do too. I, I do too. I just the whole the it just, I was mad last night. Two bourbons <laughs> later, I finally I feel like calmed you're mad down. Enough. I had known that I would. No, have you. Yeah, it's funny that you brought it up because I I wasn't really going to talk about it. And uh, but I got like you know you get 500 texts after you know what yeah. what were you doing you know what were they doing and you know and a lot of people. I mean, might as well talk about it. I don't care. Um, a lot of people would say, well, why didn't Ricky uh, Gonzalez on our horse just sit second? That horse can't sit second. Exactly. And people don't understand that you can't get in a big fight with that horse. If you do, yeah. y- you have no then chance. Quit. Yeah. yeah. And and so that, you know, that w- he was kind of in a lose-lose situation. He did the best job he could to ration his speed the best he could. But, you know, it's it just it just didn't work out for anybody. And it just... It was it was one of the most frustrating races I think I've been in in a long time. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to start the show. No, off <laughs> no, it's fine. You know, people need to know that. I mean, I think people listen. I think there are certain people and I can't name names. I I care a lot. Mhm. I care a lot about my horses. I care a lot about my old horses. 
I care a lot about our game. And I just get this. I sometimes I get the sense that other people just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you just. What do you say to the owner of Rip City? Oh, uh, you know he had to have the lead to win. Look at his PPs. The only time he had the lead in his whole life that he won a race that was I think two or three races ago when he went forty-seven. Do you know right. the difference between forty-seven and forty-five, Michelle? <laughs> Ten lengths. Ten lengths. <laughs> Ten lengths. So. I just don't know. I did. It just made no sense to me. And I like, I don't know about you guys, but I think you know this about me. Like when I'm in a race, I look at videos of every single horse. I look at the PPs, get together with my trainer, do my best to come up with a plan that will work for us. Try to predict what other people do. And, and it doesn't always work that way. And you can't control right. other horses. You can't control other people. That's just, that's just part of life and call it sour grapes if you want, but it's, it's the truth, right? Um, and, uh, but I just, just, sometimes you just scratch your head and go, what's going on. Right. So anyway, good way to start the show. (laughs) Good way to waste five minutes of me complaining. (laughs) I like it. It's, it's real. It's true. It is. It is. We have a, we have a good show. We have Jordan Wyckoff joining us, uh, who is a good man, young man. His dad's in the game, three diamonds, uh, very successful, We'll find out uh, all about his organization. And, and he loves the show, by the way. And, he, and he's a fan of the show, which we're going to talk to him about. So um, uh, I met him at, uh, at Pegasus in the gifting suite, and he was like, I have to tell you, I go to sleep listening to your show all the <laughs> time. Awesome. My wife used to think it was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. We'll talk to him about that. Jordan Weifroff coming up right after Three Things of Note. Michelle, what do we have today? Okay, so the first uh, of the three things of note is kind of funny. Uh, it's Pratt. It's kind of like... Pat, Pratt's back, right? I, I, this was no, no, oof, newsworthy um, because for 2023, Pratt was not the Pratt we saw in 2022. Uh, in fact, he even had a 20-day winless streak. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. He had 19 seconds in that time. But, That's wild. Um, now he's back. He had back-to-back days winning stakes races. And so I think everyone that was like, oh, I can't bet Pratt anymore, you, you might want to rethink that coming up this weekend. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's – listen – Game is cyclical, cyclical for owners, trainers, Thank and goodness. jockeys, and it goes up and down. And I, I he was in a little mini slump, and uh, but he did did have a pretty good weekend this weekend. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um, won a nice stake uh, on Prince couple Obama. Of couple of stakes, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried. I think about he's going to be just fine. <laughs> um, okay, so the second thing of note is that the first tour has stopped, and that is what the First racing companies kind of dubbing the first weekend of every month leading up to derby-ish time. Um, and we just have a plethora of stakes on these days. It's going to be like mini carnivals, right? So, Good. I mean, we had the Swedish Chant, the Forward Gal, the Holy Bull, the San Marcos, the Palace Verdes. So many uh, stakes. So, I don't know. Do you have like one favorite that you want to talk about? or? Well, I think it's important probably to talk about the Holy Bull, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Bill Mott's Rocket horse, can. Rocket Can. What? Why is it? Was, it well, everything. Frank Rocket. You know, there's always Frank Rocket. Fletcher is always the Rocket. Is he a Rocket? Do we know what Frank Fletcher? Is he? Is he into rockets? Is he into aerospace? He's been on our show, hasn't he? I don't remember. I feel like he has. Um. Well, I think I thought that horse was very impressive. It looked like a winner the whole time. And Bill um, Mott is on absolute fire. Bill Mott's killing Bill it. Bill Mott can do no wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see, like, I, I thought the most impressive effort was in the Swedish chant, Cairo consort. Uh, she was favorite going in. It was a route turf race. Oh yeah. Um, she broke like five, six links maybe without the rest of the field. She was way behind. Uh, and you were just thinking like, Oh, well now she's got nowhere to go they literally came within like five strides of the wire and all of a sudden she pops up on the screen she was very impressive them down no there question. was a very very cool jockey cam view from irad ortiz yes he had a pretty so, good weekend i think he yeah. won like 75 races this weekend yeah um but the, i thought I also thought can i throw one more name at you is it red carpet ready no tap it trice tap it trice am i saying okay. that right yeah, I don't know. I heard someone else write. He won like, an allowance race that was something like that. Um, he I, he won an allowance race uh, mm-hmm. for three year olds, and I think he's a, a very very good horse. Okay. So that's my take on that. 
I liked Red Carpet Ready as well. She won the forward gal. She broke her maiden impressively. She came back to win a stake. We haven't seen her since November, I think, of last year. She runs for Ashbrook Racing and Upland Flats Racing. Rusty Arnold trains her, and that was my like sole drawback to her when I was playing in the Coast to Coast Pick 5. I didn't want to single her. On paper, she was like the best horse, but Rusty was like 0 for 45 with horses coming off the layoff. So it made me nervous and I had to use another horse in there also, but you didn't need it. She looked yeah, lights out. She was oh, I agree. I agree. Super good. So, uh, that was, that was the weekend. There were a lot of stakes. I mean, if you're, if you didn't watch them, go back and watch a lot of them. Yeah, I, I absolutely watch replays. The what? Watch replays. I think it's really, yeah. a, a, if uh, you're just getting road into the game, exciting race, right? Thunder road was a great race. It was super exciting on paper. It was a really great race yep. and it was really exciting down at the wire. I mean, it was a little note, disappointed so. in, um, hit the road. I think maybe it's time. Well, so let's see. Hit the road, and there goes Harvard. Ran 10th and 11th yeah. in there. Yeah. I feel bad because I like that horse. I like all his owners. Obviously, Dan Blacker has his first gray one winner. So, mm. you know. I mean, it's it's hard to get a horse to continuously be at the top of their game. And there was that time when he was really good. And, you know, he's obviously always had these, like, niggling little foot issues and whatnot. Right. It's hard to get a horse to stay good. Right. We'll see. Maybe we'll give him one more chance. He still looks really fat. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's just getting in shape. I don't like Uh, talking about that because there's someone on this end of the microphone that might be a little um, me hefty. No, are you talking about me? Me? No, it's me for sure. Uh, Should we go on like? Should we do that thing where we go on like we challenge each other? Like we have like a bet. Yeah. The problem is men lose weight so much. You know what it is? I have no willpower. I'll say I can or I do, and I, I'm like, nah, never mind. It lasts like one day. You're like, oh, I uh, like that donut. I did the dry. Yes. I'll be like, I'm not hungry, but a donut looks good. The, I did dry uh, January, and I can do that. That's no problem. But I'm like, gonna... stopping eating is just not my game. So I'm, I'm really upset coming home from the races yesterday, right? Yeah. And I get home. And I, well, on the way home, I'm calling all my family, and no one's eating. Everyone's already eaten, or they're not there, or they're out, or whatever. So, I pour myself a nice bourbon, and I uh, get on the DoorDash. And, oh, uh, you use DoorDash? DoorDash, Postmates. I don't know one of them. Okay. Yeah, because I was home, I had to write the recap. I was struggling, and I just went right to uh, Shake Shack. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Double and yeah, I went to and- Shake Shack, and then uh, then uh, someone had uh, had donuts on the counter, so I had one of those too. So there you go. <laughs> That's me. That is uh, like I like make my kids food and like eat their food along the way, and then I make my own food. I'm so bad. Yeah, awful. Um, All right, point three, okay. and then we'll get to uh, Jordan right. Wyckoff. This show is off the chain. It um, really is. Okay. It's either the best show we've ever done or the, or worst. the worst. Right. So point number three is just I want to say welcome to some stallions having their first babies. You know how much oh, I love Oh, you control. love the babies. Um, so Lexitonian, Engage, Rushy, and Silver State all had their first foals this week. Very good. Congratulations to you proud papas. Plus it makes me feel really old. Like, like oh, you're having babies already? <laughs> yeah. Like, since you I, 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 I thought you ran last week. I know, right? Yeah. Um, on a completely backtrack note, did you watch Emmanuel break the track record? No, I didn't. I missed that so one. So he was like a horse that was like a derby type. Oh, I remember the right? horse. He was like a yeah. wise guy horse. Yeah, he broke the track record on his uh, return to the races over at Tampa. Huh. I think it was like a 24, 26-year-old record, too. I think we need a poll for this week. Like, after you post everything on Twitter, that's where this goes. And obviously, you can get the show on iTunes or wherever. You're in the money media, wherever. But you need a poll. Is this the worst episode or the best episode? Right. You <laughs> like Michelle and Billy jabbering about nothing. All right. Let's get to Jordan Wyckoff. We'll take a quick break, and we'll, uh, we'll get Jordan on the line. The Owner's Box is brought to you in part by Santa Anita Park, and we are so proud to be partnered with the Great Race Place for their 2023 Classic Meet. want to remind everybody to try to play along with the pick fives. Those pools have averaged over a million dollars thus far during the meet. We have live racing every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a 1230 first post. And, of course, we will have the coast-to-coast pick five. That's a dollar minimum and the player-friendly low 15% takeout every Saturday and Sunday. Additionally, on the weekends, we had the $18,000 Pick'em Contest, which 
just sport props, you know, horse racing, football, basketball, whatever comes your way. And there is $500 in prize money to the top winner every day. And also the $7,500 Survivor Contest. It is free. You can play online. You just select one horse a day to compete for prize money across six different categories. For all of that information, just log on to santanita.com forward slash contests. All right, back here on the Owner's Box. Very special guest today, Jordan Wyckoff has joined us and um michelle jordan you didn't hear this but michelle was bragging that you are a, a fan of the owner's box hey I, I well thanks for having me for one and i'm a fan of any of the content whether it's you guys or, or any of the other podcasts that put out to help our game right it's that is first and foremost for all of us and uh even as we've seen the world of covid happen and some of you know we're in the banking industry and especially community banks and to watch COVID make these older CEOs know what Zooms are, now they know what podcasts are. So <laughs> that's the fact good. that they get to listen now, it, it, it's, even, it's even better because, you know, I don't know how long I've tried to tell my father of how to get the podcast of you guys or Steve Bick or whatever, but it, it's, you know, it, it's great to, to encourage everybody in our sport to learn more about it and not just be in the black box that historically we have sometimes been in. Yeah, you know, that's a great point and something that, you're right. If there was one positive from COVID, possibly that it is that uh, you know technology. Obviously, we, everybody needed it, and um, I know that horse racing. I mean, I just remember I'm laughing th- inside. Remember how big Fawner Park got during COVID? It was the best <laughs> because we had nothing else to bet on. Us psychos uh, had nothing else to bet. All of a sudden, the Fawner Park handle went through the roof. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about um, how you got into ownership. Obviously, I'm assuming it's through your dad, uh, Kirk, who is uh, obviously Three Diamond Farms and, and, and has immense success. But you've gone out on your own now. When you were a kid, did you always love the sport? Uh, I would say it was we started going to Saratoga and when we really got more into the sport, my father originally back in the day actually had his trainer's license when he was in college. Um, really? And they, my mom was in the show jumping world and they were, he was claiming, you know, 2,500 claimers from Penn national and trying to run back. And if they didn't do any good, my mom would take them basically what our now aftercare, uh, third aftercare is, and, you know, kind of repurpose them to do, you know, the little hunter jumper type of stuff. Sure. So he actually had his trainer's license in one day and then uh, kind of made probably the better move and said, I have to get a real job. Uh, <laughs> not that if there's plenty that do it very, very well. Um, and he always wanted to get back into it. So I guess it was early 2000s when uh, he started to kind of dabble again. And I would say it was that time that, in Saratoga when, you know, I have a financial background, I'm in banking as well. And, you know, the numbers spoke to me more or less, right. I, I just love being able to look at fractions and speed figures and whatnot. Um, so that's when we got back into it. And, you know, the joke always is that, uh, my dad had a few horses originally with Mike Trombetta, uh, down at Fairhill Cause you know, we're not far from there. And I kept saying to him, I said, dad, I think you spent X on this horse and we could claim this one for 25. And I think it's faster than your horse. (laughs) And he's like, what? (laughs) And and sure enough, uh, it's the first horse we claimed with Mike Chambetta was Jiminator who won a grade three at Calder. Oh, Calder. Nice. Uh, Was he a 25? He was maybe in 20. Oh boy. Oh, that's nice. So that's how it started. But, uh, I guess I went down to Lexington at Blue Water when I was a sophomore in high school. So was that 2005? Okay. Um, so he told me I got to get a real job. And I said, that doesn't sound like that much fun. But the Levies who run Blue Water Sales down there in Lexington. Sure. Um, we knew we knew them from Florida. And they said, you can come learn the horse business. I said, that sounds like better than getting a real job. So giddy up and uh you know that's that's kind of that's how that's how it all started well tell us tell us wait wait before you go forward tell us about that job i mean it is a job what what were you doing were you mucking stalls how did you learn the horse business and wait you still ended up in banking so what went around yeah exactly (laughs) uh you know it makes a better story if i can really say i was mucking a lot of stalls but it really wasn't that (laughs) uh you know uh, walking the sale horses you know Meg has blue water sales. Uh, I learned the insurance side of it from Mike, who is Muirfield insurance, right? He's been in the 
the yep. equine uh, insurance business for a while. So it was a little bit of a both learn that side of the business, prepping sales horses uh, back in the day. Uh, and still, David and Gordo, we rely on him a lot. He helped me some of the sales, letting me look over his shoulder. So it wasn't necessarily one job, but then ultimately running the consignment. So I was down there for the summer, which always overlapped with the July sale. And really, you know, it's funny because it's kind of full circle to cross border. Uh, and the tone is, you know, we started selling horses of racing age sale at that July sale in 2000. I guess it was 11 when the Healy Broads dispersed their first time they dispersed hmm. because they were exiting the business it was the first time we had horses of racing age sale at July. So I always tell Boyd, you know, we were joking with Boyd after tone. I go, so we're going to be on the cover again. I go, and by the way, you still never give me credit for starting that sale. That is very, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Why? We need to talk to Boyd. You should, they should call yeah, it so the that, Jordan Wyckoff sale. I don't, I don't want that. I, as long as I get credit. And we don't, we don't want to listen. We're going to get to a tone because the, one of the problems is she, he ran right by Michelle's horse. So we're going to talk about that, but we have to just, you know, walk a little gingerly till we get to his huge win in the uh, Pegasus turf. Uh, we will get there. Jordan Wyckoff joining us on the owner's box. Okay. So you're, you're doing all this stuff. You're in the horse business. You're looking over in Gordo's shoulder. And then what happens? Uh, I got, I got an offer. I was interning on Wall Street at the time as well, so it was kind of a couple months in the summer and then back uh, in New York, and I got a job from an investment bank in New York, and uh, I told I also had a job offer to be a racing manager for a prominent owner at the time, and uh, I said, yeah, Dad, I got this great job to be a racing manager. I get to go all over the country. I, I'm going to take it. He goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and... <laughs> Love it, and that's that, no, and that's not. basically the start and end of the conversation. Oh and wow! Very wise advice. Yeah, so you go, you you, and and at that point, were you were you kind of out of the game, or are were you now primarily associated with Three Diamonds and still working with your dad and still a part of that? Yeah, it was. I, I guess I think on Twitter it might even still be that I'm the racing manager, which which really just us you know, talking numbers and, and something to talk about when we're not talking about real business. Uh, so it was managing the horses. Uh, you know, the first one was obviously Jim and Eric, the next question. So it was still managing all the horses. And then, you know, three diamonds and the racing operations just grew and grew and grew. And it was just something that I had already claimed some horses. So this is probably back. God, I can't believe it's 2023. Um, probably back <laughs> six, seven years ago. It got It got so big. And we still own some horses together, like Atone and, and other ones. Uh, but that is a full-time job when you got 40 to 60 horses in training. I'm going to ask a really silly question, and then I'm going to turn it over to Michelle. Um, three Diamonds. Who are the Three Diamonds? Why is it Three Diamonds? Can you help us? Yep. Uh, I knew I you could. I am one of three. I have two older sisters. Um, and I guess they originally we originally started running under... DKW Racing, Deborah and Kirk Wyckoff Racing, and then said that that was way too generic and boring, and we have to have a fun story about it. <laughs> so it became Three Diamonds Farm after the kids. It was more of a marketing ploy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, obviously. Um, are your are your siblings in, as as involved as you are in in the racing side and the buying side? Uh, I say. My oldest sister Kirby has a little farm uh, out here in Pennsylvania, and she works a lot with. Uh, some of the aftercare horses and has probably six or seven on her farm. So she loves that side of it. She does the, the fox hunting and all that stuff. Uh, my middle sister, who is in banking as well, has not taken that much to it. I think there was just so many conversations at dinner that were dominated by me and my father <laughs> arguing about horses was, that my, may or may awesome. not have put them off. <laughs> yeah, that... Now, wait a second. I got to say, to Go have ahead, two jump in. kids... Have to have two or three kids interested, though, that's a really good percentage. Yeah, yeah, I'd take it. 66%, we win. What kind of – I listen, I have a business partner. Michelle, obviously, is married to trainer. Um, it is interesting when – and especially now you're talking a family member and someone who you respect and obviously told you not – you know, to go into the banking business. But, like, what what – are you able to really put your opinion out there and does he listen? 
I have to tread carefully here, huh? No, he's not going to listen. He doesn't uh, even know how to find a podcast, for crying out loud. I would say it's... Uh, Hard-hitting questions. We'll, we'll get to probably a tone, but it's, it's fun because he brings uh, a different opinion of it, where I would say I've more... We can all argue this. Can they run back in three weeks or six weeks? I'm in the camp of they're not machines where he's more old school and saying, hey, they can run back quickly as long as you give them time after. So, and and it's funny because he loves the third graphs and that's where I started on. And I've kind of gone more, we look at all the numbers, right? All of us do. Sure. Uh, but I guess on a handicap and day-to-day basis and when I print out my sheet or have our our girl print out the sheet. I just have ragazins on there because I think it just muddles it. So we, we argue about that when it comes to buying horses, the arguments get way more fun uh, compared to just placing them. But it, it's, it's, it's good arguments. You know, it's when you, when they, when they, when they ask you the question, if your dad's 65 and he might live to 85 and you only talk to him twice a year, that means you're going to talk to your father 40 times for the rest right. of your life. Yeah. Right? Yep. The fact that we get to talk every week, every day almost. You listen to um, Bill Simmons. He... <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it is not it it's got to be nice to have family involved and I know Michelle's family's all involved and and I know what you 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 mentioned a tone and we might as well go there because he was a, a an unbelievable race uh not le- this weekend uh, but the weekend before in the 1 million dollar Pegasus World Cup uh, turf yep. 1 million um was there an argument going in there what was that plan because the tone had always been kind of knocking at the door Yeah so a tone's funny, and I didn't know if you guys were going to ask the questions about the the whole steeplechase uh, endeavor that I've been on recently. And, and he kind of melds into it funny, even though that it was an argument with my father. Um, so he was always knocking at the door, and I, I always just looked at his pedigree and into mischief, captivating last, even though it was a Godolphin horse, was a much better sprinter and mm-hmm. kind of mapped out the calendar last year and go, well, there's way more lucrative races at a mile. Um, and if you're not running in those, you're getting stretched out to the mile in a quarter, mile and three eighths or dancer, right? Mile and a half. And I just didn't think he had that ability to go that far, even though if you looked at the numbers, his two biggest races last year were at a mile and eighth, but a mile and eighth at Gulfstream doesn't really play like a mile and eighth at Saratoga or Belmont, even though they don't ride a mile and eighth at Saratoga. So uh, my thought process, and clearly I was wrong, was that <laughs> the best spots for him are going to be at a mile for the purse money, and we're going to have two good chances to run at Keeneland where the Breeders' Cup is going to be um, to prove that, for one, he likes the surface. And he started off the year in the Maker's Mark and ran a, a fourth. Uh, got the length by Mason, smooth like straight, and shrill spite. Uh, so we just stayed on that path. Um so finally, when we get up to the end and, you know, he ran really respectable last year at the Pegasus. But again, I'm thinking a mile and eighth at Gulfstream, hard as a rock. It's going to play like a mile and a mile and 16th everywhere else. So he kind of, I ran him in the three other than at Saratoga because he looked like the type of horse that, and it's funny if you look back and go, his last win in a two other than in November of 2021, he beat an old horse of mine, Journeyman. Who? Yep. We didn't do, we didn't do very well on him. We didn't think very highly of the horse. <laughs> and I go, we keep running in these really tough spots. And the last horse he beat was Journeyman. He needs a confidence boost. And then he had a miserable trip uh, at Saratoga. But you know, the the big circle on the calendar was always going to be that Kentucky Downs million dollar race. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then we took him back to Aqueduct and said, Hey, if we want to go to Gulfstream, I'm big on. Horses know when they cross the wire for first. They know when they come back. You know, you, you see them after they're in, in front of their stall. They they just know it. And I'm a big believer of giving them confidence boost. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back to the three other then, and I just said, you know, Dad, we have some horses with Carrie at uh, Fair Hill. I'm a big believer at in horses only Carrie. like to make Carrie Bryan. Yeah, yep. down at Fair Hill. Yep. Uh, horses only like to make left-hand turns so long. 
um, right? We come from the, the jump world, the, with the, the event world. We know jogging and figure eights and going both ways. And what Carrie has at Fair Hill is hills to train on, right? They, they just use themselves differently. Um, right. And horses that get sour like to be out back. Um, so I said, we'll, we'll send a tone there two, three weeks max, and then we'll point him to the Fort Lauderdale. And I probably got a little too busy, and then the band's got it didn't work. And when we finally got him to Gulfstream, he looked great. He was acting great, but we had to mess with his feet a little bit because you're training, you know, you got to walk. I thought you were going to tell me, good. but he started to jump the rail every day. That's not <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, that would have been that good. That was the one strict, instru- strict instructions because I've taken a few down there, including Wicked Fast. I was like, let's just see how they like the logs. And he was like, oh, no. all right, you can do this, but there is no, I was like, don't worry. Um, but I truly, and even if you look at Mike's numbers and he's an excellent, excellent trainer, but you know, sometimes when we get to that 60 plus days, they sometimes need one. And I truly believe we did miss the Lauderdale, but if you looked at all the horses that ran in the Lauderdale, I think the best finish was the horse that ran and talking about like the, who came back in the Pegasus, like City Man, Decorative Vader, um, yeah. others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, and, and last year was kind of similar. So I don't know if it's the Lauderdale's too close and it takes too much out of them. But if you look at the, the favorites in that race uh, outside of us, they were Lauderdale horses and yeah. outside the Philly. And they didn't run that well. And I don't know if it's too close. And that race is always very salty. So it always, comes up a big number so it was a little blessing uh in disguise so back to your original question do we have arguments we had arguments about leading up to it but that was we always circled it on our calendar because we thought hey a mile and eighth at Gulfstream hits him between the eyes because he's probably a mile 16th to a mile and eighth type of horse Jordan Wyckoff joining us here on the owner's box Jordan when you you talked a little bit about Mike Maker. You first made fun of him and said he doesn't return texts or calls, but he he also had a huge day at Pegasus Day, and he's been just dominant, especially on the grass in the past few years. What do you attribute that to? What what cut does Mike Maker bring to the table? Um, I think if you look at the way he works his horses, um, it is always maybe in that slower to if you compare him to a baffer or or any of the other trainers and i think he keeps his horses very happy by you know having a little bit less of a workload on them interesting um and it also i think results to even if they go 50 or 51 his gallops out gallop out are pretty strong which just breeds the stamina into him um and it trains his stamina i, I don't think if you would ask mike this he'd say i can train a horse just as fast on dirt and turf and I believe that's very, very accurate. But when you look at these older horses that he continues to keep happy, and, I mean, Red Knight is nine years old, right? Sure. Um, I think that little less workload, keeping them fit, kind of getting more stamina into them, really lends itself well to the the longer route type of turf races. And I would also say, and this is just different strokes for different folks and, you know, Chad Brown, to Todd Fletcher, to Baffert, to Maker, they're all excellent. I would say if you look at a Chad type of horse, um, they have this devastating turn of kick where mm-hmm. it usually breeds this, hey, let's do 13, 13, 13, let's have them fly home. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that can beat them up, right, because you're mm-hmm. asking them to come home in 12 and change on a regular basis every every week or whatnot. Um, so they don't always have that necessary. I mean, I think if you think about all the great turf horses maker trained, the only one, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a handful, so I don't want to sound ignorant, but <laughs> Zulu, Zulu Alpha had a devastating turn of, turn of foot. But there's a lot of them that have succeeded at a very high level. I mean, even think of Hanson, right? He just took Hanson's speed and stretched it out, even though he was probably going further than that horse ultimately wanted to go. Um, so... I guess that would be my two cents from a very no, it makes a lot of sense from an uh, uneducated perspective. But it just looking at it over north of a decade, those are the similarities I see. But it's mostly just keeping them happy, which doesn't mean they're going to fire at six furlongs. But if you ask them to get ten furlongs, especially over grass, they does can he do it? So yeah, I just think does, the training lends to it. Does he ever smile? 
Mike smiles. I mean, I see him like you. He could win a million dollar race or a, a you know with a, a race of a twenty thousand dollar claimer, and he has this. Sometimes he has this just glazed look on his face. Is that like? Do you guys make fun of him for that, or is that? Am I missing the boat here? Well, it, it's very. It, it's almost like the misperception of Todd, right? We have horses with Todd. I love Todd. Nobody realizes the sense of humor Todd has. He's and so Mike funny. is. He is his. Hysterical, and Mike is the exact same way. Oh, good. Um, but in in the public spotlight, he he's just even keel. Which I think, you know, I think he said in the interview after a tone, and they said how that how the day went pretty well. He goes, "Yeah, but I still got two more run at Turfway." <laughs> right? he, he always knows. Uh, I'm all, I'm all, I'm 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 never never one more race than that smile turning not into a smile. So. It is amazing these trainers. I, I could I could never do it. And Michelle's married to one, and I'm sure Jordan Wyckoff would agree that uh, uh, you know, it, considering uh, you got into banking rather than horses, I don't think you want to be a trainer anytime soon. Is that fair? That is a that is a that is a thankless job. Um, what? How, Jordan, Go ahead. Why the focus for you guys on grass horses? I mean, that's primarily what you race and claim and everything else. Um, yeah, and. I thought this may be part of the conversation just after the recent baffer and the, you know, the splitting up of the horses, it just seems those are the ones you can acquire. I, I think uh, it was Phil DeMato that was on Vic the other day and goes, I don't have owners that can spend 400, but you can get a decent grass horse for maybe 150 budget. I mean, I think about the horse that Michelle, I was the underbidder uh, unbeknownst to me of a good friend of both of ours remote who just oh, ran the yeah. other day for 70,000. He was a very, very nice horse for 70,000. And I just did all my work and got into zoom calls and completely missed it. Then saw who bought it. Um, I think your, your acquisition cost is just much more reasonable. And I do think that, you know, they stay sounder longer. So in this game that we play of the claiming game or purchasing uh, a horse that, you know, the folks that want to win grade ones or grade stakes on dirt, that, that's not part of their racing program. When they come to market, they come at a much more reasonable value. So I, yeah. and I think it's also, we see what Mike's best at, or maybe uh, excels at, which lends ourselves to look at, you know, we're always claiming or buying horses. Will they get better with age and will they get better with distance and will they get better with grass? Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Michelle and I have talked about that for probably the last two weeks, and, and another example of it was the uh, the Baffert uh, race this weekend with only four horses, all dirt, all trained by him. And it's it's it, it's not a level playing field, so let's just call it what it is. Uh, but to no fault of Baffert, I think a lot of people are blaming Bob. I find that yeah. strange. Do you, do you agree with that? He does a good job. I agree. And that's what we've said on the show. It's interesting to hear. You don't hear that, Jordan. You, do you hear people saying, oh, this, it's all about Baffert? It's really not. It, he has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, w- I would say it, it absolutely has nothing to do with Bob, Todd, or Chad. They're oh, running right. a business. Exactly. And, and it is not their fault that if somebody writes a check for a half a million dollars and they feel it is in their best interest and the best chance for that horse to realize his monetary value or take them to the places that they want to go that that they would look at those three chainers but Mm -hmm. i'll I'll speak out of both sides of my mouth because at at the one point is is making it they can only have 30 horses at or 30 stalls is that going to change it no because they're going to find training facilities you know and you're not going to be able to say all the jurisdictions aren't going to get together and go, Oh, Bob had his hundred start. He can't start another horse the rest of the year. You could do it by stalls and then they'll find training centers. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, this new rule at Oakland on claiming horses where they're dropping 20 slips at a time. But I just found out this on Saturday when I lost a horse that because I lost a horse, I now have preference. Really? To- oh, geez. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that either. So- if there's a horse that gets that we all know is very obvious and there's going to be 15 ways I can use my one preference because I lost the horse at the, 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 the meeting. Hmm. So if four other people use that preference, that 15 way shake turns into a four way shake, 
Or if I'm the only one, Hmm. I get the horse. Yeah. So it's like, but at the same, you, but at the same time at Saratoga, Mike can only drop for one owner, even if it's a different horse at Gulfstream or Kentucky, he could drop three times in the race for three different owners as long as they're different horses. Sure. It's so it's, there's, I don't know what the great solution is, but, it's no fault of them. Uh, that's yeah, that's and that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things you're talking about right now is something that Michelle and I talk about all the time, and I'd like to hear your opinion, is that there is no uniformity as far as rules in our game. It is you know, state-governed. There's different uh, medication rules. There's different claiming rules that you just brought up. There's all kinds of different condition book rules. Um, how are we going to continue to exist as a sport when – you don't, we don't even know the rules at different tracks. Yeah, that's the that's the the great question. I mean, unless so, even in my brief stint in in the jumping game, there is one racing secretary for all the different meets. Mm-hmm. Is that the answer? And if it is, can anybody really handle that job? No. no. <laughs> no. So I, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, it's the same thing that you go back to. Well, employees are getting more expensive. Horses are certainly getting more expensive. All of our materials to feed them are getting more expensive, right? The poultice, the everything, the ice, just everything's getting more expensive. But we really haven't seen purses go up. And who wears that is the owners, right? Correct. But but how can you justify a Gulfstream running for those purses that they have the same margin in mind that Naira does, right? Take, take out the, the Kentucky, you know, the, the historical racing machines, but you know, Gulfstream has a big casino there. They have a lot of things around that championship meet. So do they just want bigger margins? And if so, you know, they talked about maybe shutting, not that they're going to, but, you know, shut down for a month in the in the summer. But I would get back to is the betters are first, right? Yep. The owners and betters are kind of like one and one A because there's no betters without owners that want to put up the money. But whatever the rules and the uniformity comes to, it needs to be directed at how do we keep the betters there and the horse owners there? Everything else should be able to shake out. That's great. I think that's actually a great point. You brought up historical racing machines. Um, Do you know those things on on social media where it says, I learned today that? You've seen those, right? And it's like, you know. Yeah. Okay, so I was at um, Turfway Park not too long ago. And they were like, oh, we have the historical racing machines. I was like, great. Like, where are they? Like, I wanted to go see, like, if I could look. I thought they showed, like, old races of horses and, like, Some you, you bet do. on them. You have to see which. Michelle, you have to there were. Which machines. There were whatever there were, 200. There were slot machines and video yes. stuff. They're, I, they're just slot machines. Like, why? why I, the fact that we call them. I'm, I'll, someone's probably going to listen to this podcast and go, Billy, don't. You're, you're spoiling the secret. They're not historical no, wait, no, racing machines. Historical racing. So there's some that are just like you pull a slot and it shows a race and it's just like for looks. Well, right? I couldn't find there one of those. There are some that you like make a bet, quote unquote, on a old race. Where are and those? Where... The race. They I used didn't to have those in Arkansas. Okay. All right. Well, call I, me. I, 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 would, I would say it's always best when the politics are out of it. And if we got over the legislation and the politi- politics, don't bring it back into it. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. Let's stop that conversation. All right. Wait, wait. I got one more question. Go ahead. I know we've kept them on like yeah, way too long. Yeah, way too long. I, you keep mentioning your like kind of foray into jumping, and I want to hear about it because I'm a big steeplechase fan. Are you? Oh, she's huge. Um, well, so it started with cross-border because, you know, he's just a high-energy horse, and sticking him in a pasture wasn't going to be the best use of his life and his high, high energy. Um, and because he's a New York bred, if he did take the jumping, he could come back to Saratoga in the summers. And so it kind of started there. And then unbeknownst to me, when I, we started, me and my dad t- started talking about, you know, maybe we should try to be cool. You know, everyone loves cross and he's been around forever. Um, started talking to Kerry Brian at Fair Hill 
who was Jonathan Shepard's old assistant, was that my father-in-law was in, he's, he lives in Aiken, my, my father-in-law. Um, he was taking on the task of being the new president and chairman of the Aiken steeplechase. Hmm. You know, well, isn't this a, isn't, isn't this timing interesting? Hmm. Coincidence. And lo and, yeah, lo and behold, uh, the steeplechase game, in my opinion, and people might not like this, but it is going to die a slow death. Hmm. We cannot, we cannot rely on, you know, the old guard, you know, putting up money for the purses for their one party day a year or two, whatever it may be. Um, and part of that is, you know, even the Virginia races and, and the Maryland races where they don't even want to show the steeplechase because they think they're worried about the perception of a fall. When in reality, for one, we've taken out the last jump. In reality, slower is safer. That That's always the case across the board. The slower you go, the safer the sport's going to be. So, uh, and that kind of turns into there's no paramutual wagering in South Carolina. Um, so for Aiken to succeed, you know, we need to bring a spotlight to that to make the progress on getting ADWs down there and paramutual wagering. If we could set the standard at Aiken, you know, maybe the colonials of the world wouldn't put it as race 13 and not have a simulcast, but showcase that this is a fun part of the sport. But when I think about marketing the sport, my first question goes, guys, there's no polls. Yeah. How do I know when there's a quarter mile left? <laughs> and if I don't. There's if, two, there's two like jumps that. left. That's how you know. Or you just sit with Michelle and she goes, oh, there you got a quarter mile left. Exactly. So my thought process was, to promote it, the best way to do it is speed figures. We don't even have polls, which means we can't even. I mean, if you guys have seen it in the PPs, if you look at some of our horses because they've run over jumps, there's no fractions. Um, so I was just thinking long term, and then so the meet was at Aiken, and uh, I was trying to support the meet. So uh, you know, I took some horses off, and I also believed, and uh, you know, I might not be. I still believe as much as I did believe that there's no reason if you have a mile and a quarter type of horse, you can't transition from flat steeplechase. Well, that's interesting. Um, interesting I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good break for horses. I think half the time when we let horses down, especially the older ones, they're more at risk getting injured, getting them back to fitness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when, when you completely let them down. So if they get at Fair Hill, they can get turned out in the morning before they train in the afternoon Sometimes they train on a racetrack. Sometimes they go out back and train the hills. It's great for the horse's brain. We're all actually training them already for their aftercare life, whatever it may be. Um, so it was a win-win across the board. So, you know, I kind of bought a couple horses um, for Aiken specifically and just some of the older ones and maybe the slower ones <laughs> uh, to, to, to try that and, and, maybe. and see where it went. Maybe quote the maybe well, the slower well, ones. Shepard used to jump uh, in the off season, informed decision, and forever together. Unbelievable. And yep, absolutely. And they still had their speed when they went went back to the racetrack. Jordan, you broke my heart in the American Turf last year at Churchill. We got a we got a bit of revenge in the Bryan Station later in the year. But who is there a three year old turfer maker three diamonds coming up that we should uh, kind of look out for this summer? Dude in Colorado. Dude, Dude in Colorado. Colorado. Oh, I'm writing that down. I like that. Okay. I know, that was fast too. It was yeah, like, he didn't. He didn't hesitate. Dude. Well, you're you're not going to get much of a price because he was. We bought him in November, um, and he just ran in the kitten's joy, um, and ran a really good third on probably which was a faster pace and ran a big. And he's trained by Todd. Um, but I would say if that's our American turf type of horse, and you know he won the poly, so we might look at the Jeff Ruby as well. Ooh! But he's an Uncle Mo, and he's a hat to um, the horse that won the the big three year old race at Belmont in the turf series, the million dollar race. It's his the half. Derby? No, oh, he won the race at Belmont Derby. I think you. I think he won the Belmont Derby, yeah. So he's got a great pedigree. Um, and I would say if that's if there's a horse that is the up-and-coming turf horse, even though he might get a little bit of, um, you know, uh, 
we'll pivot maybe to the Jeff Ruby because uh, he ran an aqueduct and uh, for Benny Viola and those guys, and we bought him in November for 90, right? If that horse runs third in a maiden special way to aqueduct on the dirt, even in October and goes November, he's not bringing 90,000 being by Uncle Mo. No, right? nice. Uh, so back to that water, we focus on turf because the acquisition cost is just more appealing. Right. Um, but so he, he won by three at Gulfstream. Oh, I watched this poly. race the other day. Yeah, Major Dude won as a big favorite. Yeah, right? yeah, and then he and then we ran him back to Kitten Joy and ran third. Yeah, uh, to Major Dude. Right. Um, both dudes from Todd. I like that. The dudes. So, I would say I would say he's he was we threw him to the wolves and he kind of answered the question. So if, if if there's one that will be that next horse, um, Dude that would probably be him. I like it. All right, Jordan Wyckoff, thank you very much for all the time. We went way over the time a lot. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you being a fan of the show. Believe me, most people who come on the show have never heard of it. They don't know who Billy, <laughs> who myself or Michelle is. And uh, we really like that show. you're a friend of the show. So keep spreading the owner's box word, will you? We'll, we'll do. And appreciate you having us on. And you guys keep doing what you're doing because it's great. We're trying. Thank you. Jordan Wyckoff here on the Owner's Box, and uh, we appreciate it, buddy. We'll see you. We hope to see you soon, somewhere. We will find you. Absolutely, somewhere. All right, All right man. Take care, guys. Thanks take it again. easy. That's Jordan Wyckoff here on the Owner's Box. Michelle, great guest as always. I know you were excited to talk to Jordan. Uh, I know I make fun of the show constantly, but the self-deprecating humor is part of my gig. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, you so know. many times, though. So many times. <laughs> no one... It is nice when someone likes the show. Jordan was traveling today too, so that was extra nice that he. Uh, it that was he very came. nice, Michelle. What's uh, we went since we went over time? We want we don't want people hitting the off button when they get bored with us. What's coming up at Santa Anita this weekend? Anything good? Okay, coming up at Santa Anita, we have uh, nothing like major as far as like fun party stuff going on. We've just got some really great wagering opportunities for the weekend uh including the coast to coast and the golden hours we've got pick em, we've got show viber a lot of free games you can play online as well um we do have one cool thing though you can go on to santanita.com forward slash events and uh you can find where we send a free valentine hmm. um so you can go and you can put someone's name in a little note and they will mail a valentine for you really and this is actually a benefit for the winners foundation so every time a person requests a valentine be sent the santa nina is donating a dollar to the winners foundation fantastic um, so there's going to be a cap on that like you know for the i'm going to send amount. a thousand to michelle you you can only send two per person oh uh, but I do think it's cute and they're all like pictures of horses and goats and, you know, racehorses kissing and stuff like that. So That's it's very really cute. cute and it's for a good cause. So a right. uh, direct link to that is santanita.com forward slash Valentine. That's very sweet. Michelle, always a pleasure. Uh, you can tweet this show at own a horse at BKLRF at the Michelle U. Uh, we are part of the in the money media network and uh, we are pleased to be part of that network a lot of great stuff going on on the airwaves please we uh we uh really appreciate you downloading the show to all of our listeners out there thank you thank you thank you we'll be back next week with another great guest michelle that's it Bye.